Inner Voice. A heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice podcast, a heartfelt chat with me, Dr. Fujian Zain. I'm a psychotherapist and author and the originator of the awareness integration theory. So nice to be with you today. Now, um, I know some people are constantly talking and asking about the books about um, uh, that are out there, uh, the series of books for um, awareness integration. So here they are, Life Reset, which is the book that it's uh, like a workbook that it's being written for all of you who are out there and you really like to go through different areas of your life and work through this evidence-based um, scientific approach um, we have uh, been teaching this in different uh, universities and have research done with Life Reset, which shows that it's minimized depression and anxiety and raised self-esteem and self-confidence. You also, for all of your coaches and psychotherapists who like to uh, know how to uh, take this approach and utilize it in your practice, the awareness integration Theory and Therapy um, is the book for you because it goes through that. And you can also um, come to some of the workshops, which uh, I certify therapists and coaches uh, to in this model of AIT for them to be able to use that um, for their clients. And the third book um, is Intentional Parenting, which is really for all of the teachers, all of the parents, all of you grandparents, wonderful grandparents, so that um, you can um, be with your uh, little beautiful beings and know that from the awareness integration, how you can be uh, a part of their life and um, in, in what way you can allow them to flourish through the awareness integration. So those are all for you. You can go to awarenessintegration.com com, any of those and you're more than welcome to get those books and if you need to talk to me and call me then you do in this episode i am excited to chat with linda rossetti she's a business leader harvard mba former fortune 500 executive and pioneering researcher on individuals experience at the crossroad of their lives she's the founder of the transition institute a firm that partners with corporations, nonprofits, and individuals on a new way to successfully move through major changes. Her work has been featured on NPR, NECN, CBS, Money Magazine, Smart Breathe, and um, other outlets. Now, we're going to be talking about her new book, Dancing with Disruption, a new approach to navigating life's biggest changes um, you can uh, contact her also at lindarosetti.com. Now, subscribe to my podcast, please, or and YouTube channel. I'd love to connect with you. Um, I also want to, to for you to know about uh, the Fujon app, which we are featuring. And um, every month we're adding new um, areas of life. When you go through Fujon app, you can eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. We've already found that every month, people working on different areas of their life, they're looking at 40% improvement just going through the app. And every month, we're actually adding three new life areas that uh, you could have. So this is exciting. So go ahead to Apple or 
um, Google Drive, anywhere you get your apps, um, this is available for you. Just look for Food on App. And um, that would be um, available for you to do your own work on yourself. And um, you'll see how impactful it would be. So now we're ready. We want to talk. I I really had a great time uh, dialoguing with Linda. And I'm positive that you will also enjoy our conversation. And I'm positive you'll enjoy her book as I have. So without further ado, here's Linda Rosetti. Break free from the forces holding you back. Get the life you deserve. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, decrease depression, and start living your full potential. Thousands have used Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory, an evidence-based behavioral health breakthrough with incredible life-changing results. Getting rid of past trauma, having fulfilling relationships, increasing earnings, and living their best life. Now, the Fujian app is available to everyone. The app is Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory in the palm of your hand. Download the Fujian app today. Well, welcome, Linda Rossetti. It is so nice to have you with me. Um, Linda, as you know, has uh, written Dancing with Disruption. And uh, I love, first of all, the title of your book, and uh, because it brings this beautiful delicateness into a word and a construct that you're like, yeah, we want to go I don't think I want to dance with disruption, but then going through your book, it truly is a dance with disruption. So welcome to the show. Pushan, thank you so much. Uh, it's lovely to be here. So first of all, let's unpack some of the terminology um, that you have done that in your book. So let's unpack the conversation of disruption. What do you mean by disruption? Right, and I thank you for starting with this, right? Because I think so often we kind of just go full speed ahead and we forget to just stop and kind of agree on some basics. So disruption in my world has to do with breaks that we encounter in our sense of self, right? And they can happen in thousands of ways, right? They can happen because of a, a layoff or something unexpected at work. They can happen because of a breakup. Uh, they can happen because of a health crisis. They can happen because of a milestone, like a birthday or an empty nest. And they can happen because of a, a long anticipated happy thing, like a promotion or a remarriage, right? A zillion initiating circumstances, I like to use that word, can leave us kind of at this moment of disruption. But the the crystal piece that I look for is that any of those can, and I'll underline the word can, leave us at this point where how we know ourselves, right, our sense of self becomes broken in some way, right, disconnected. And that's really the disruption that I'm fascinated by. And it's one that I think deserves a fair amount of discussion um, in our world. And, you know, people are always asking, you know, oh, why did you write a book? Why did you write a book? My goal is to start a new conversation about these moments, because I think we we really misunderstand them, sadly, because they can be incredible inflection points in our lives. The interesting thing that you had just said, and it's like disruption in a perfect world and in a perfect life, there's still going to be a lot of disruption. Because even with phase of life, like if you've done everything perfect and everything is happening the same way you said it was going to be happening, you're going to have phase of life conversations and shifts that you've never 
um, have uh, entered into. You've never faced. You don't know. And although you might see it in somebody else, you're still going to go through a disruption uh, within your system because it's going to be new to you. So looking at it from that perspective, it's not like, oh, if I had just figured out the perfect way of being, you know, I can uh, bypass disruption. So it's so beautiful to be able to face it and then look at how we can um, transition out of it or transform out of it as you have brought it into, uh, into your book. Um, another conversation in your book is just like um, impact. And it, the way that the impact of the disruption is in our life or kind of how do we influence and impact the disruptions? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. And I, I love the fact that you you pulled on the thread that says, you know, we we kind of craft these these arcs, these perfect arcs that we hope our lives go through. And what I found through my research, right, and I've spent the last decade talking with hundreds of people who've navigated these disruptions. And what I found is that, number one, they're universal, right? There's nobody, even people who have this beautiful outward, you know, kind of presentment of success everyone it's universal everyone at some point is going to go through this moment when they say wait a minute you know this you know this person that i've become is is this really right or, or what's going on and you're right that it can impact us in different ways right some people experience disruption and are quickly able to say you know wait a minute i always thought i was a fill in the blank doctor lawyer great mom whatever it is and somehow their belief of what that all means gets corrupted in some way. Other people experience this break in their sense of self by its impact on their functioning. And this was so interesting in my research, right? You know, I, I sat down over a period of 36 months with all these people and just listened. And I have hundreds of hours of tapes of conversation. And it's fascinating to listen to how people describe these moments where they say, you know, you know, I'm somebody who goes a thousand miles a minute. And yet, I can't point to any catastrophic thing that happened, but all of a sudden I wasn't able to kind of execute on my baseline, right? And this impact for whatever reason, right? This, this break in our sense of self has an influence in that our functioning becomes less elegant. And I, and I don't mean that there's some perfect model of functioning. What I mean is that it's differ from our baseline. And there, you know, there were people in my study who there was a whole cohort of folks who had um, survived brain trauma, right? So they had serious kind of physical and, and cognitive impairment things. So their baseline was very different from, you know, some of the other people in my study. And so I, I underscore that to say, you know, it's, it's about our, our functioning related to our own baseline. So disruption can happen to any of us. And it, it really typically influences either our sense of self, right? Our thinking about our sense of self, or in our, our, our coming to realize that our ability to function is somehow not, not um, consistent with the baseline we've already always kind of established. And frankly, that's how I recognized it, Pujan, when it happened in my life. And anyway, I'm not sure I'm answering your question, but typically the disruptions that I deal with in my work and which emerged out of my research all have to do with this notion that there is a break in our sense of self. And in those times, we are conditioned to kind of tamp down, ignore, or run the other way by society. And, and I think that um, that's a tremendous disservice, not only to individuals, but our society as a whole, 
because they can be enormous kind of invitations uh, to recenter our thinking about who we are and, and from that, you know, benefit greatly. That's interesting when you talk about grace and not having grace at times. I remember I um I was in an amazing place in my life. I was married and I was I had uh, you know amazing practice and you know on media constantly and all of that. And then um the um the the California, Los Angeles earthquake happened. And then, um, so that was a huge disruption in every angle of, of uh, the place, you know, we were living and everything just flipped. And um, and then, so we moved to Northern California. And at the same time, I went through perimenopause, which I wasn't, it, talk about disruption. I had no idea about my body, my sense of self. And, you know, at one point I was standing and talking, I, I was trying to get a Christmas tree from Target and um, this this beautiful lady probably was tired and she reacted in a particular way. Oh my God, Linda, if I could only tell you that the Fujian was standing there yelling and screaming uh, probably about nothing. And at one point, I, you know, I was like, you know, there's a part of you that comes out and watches you and you're like, really? Like that? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this woman who's, who's you know, in the line at Target? And when you're talking about sometimes when disruptions happen, whether they're internally, such as like a you know hormonal shift or in a phase of life shift, or it was something like you know earthquake, which just changed, collapsed everything. It collapsed our offices. It collapsed every area that we were, like our home. Um, you know, my car was uh, was stolen. It was just like every angle of life was just absolutely disrupted. And like you said, the sense of self, it becomes so fragile. Like the part of you that you figured, I handle this, like I got this. It really presents a whole new uh, opportunity, as you also say in, in your book, an uh, opportunity for growth, for new choices, for new awareness. Um, and, um, and it's, it's really interesting. One, one of the things in your book, you said change is a process through which we alter particulars and leave intact our assumptions upon which our sense of self relies, but then transition is a process through which we re-examine our assumptions upon which we architect our sense of self. Um, that's beautifully said. Can you share a little bit and kind of unpack that concept? Sure, I thank you for picking up on that. And, and uh, what I learned through my research is that we are taught in society to use two words interchangeably, right? Change and transition. And I learned through my research is that these two things mean very different things in the face of a disruption, right? When our when we're in, you know, when we're at Target and the, you know, we're unraveling because the, you know, the Christmas tree team is just not working out the way we thought. And we're we're becoming aware that who we are and how we're responding is different from our baselines. Like, wait a minute, what's happening? And so I my work really centers on this notion that none of those things we've talked about so far, right? Uh, you know, an earthquake, a stealing of a car, uh, you know, a crisis in a retail setting, whatever. None of those things in and of themselves are the disruption, right? The disruption occurs in our thinking, our awareness about this sense of who we are. And it leads us at this moment of choice 
And we get to choose, do we want change or do we want transition? And the changes, right, we're we're oftentimes really favoring, right? Society teaches us to favor change. And what I learned from my research is that changes occur when we make alterations or variations on the particulars, but our sense of self remains intact, right? So we say, you know what? Yep, I'm a physician. It's all good. I'm fine. I'm going to move. I'm going to buy a new car, whatever it is, right? We make alterations uh, or variations, right? To, you know, kind of address the problem perhaps, or, you know, kind of fix the break that we're experiencing. But but our assumptions about who we are, right, you know, that we anchor our sense of self on remain steady, right? They remain constant. So that's the world of change when we're in this kind of umbrella of disruption. But when we're willing to re-examine those assumptions about who we are and how we make meaning in the world, that's when we step away from change and we move into this notion of transitions. And transitions occur when there's a shift in what holds value and meaning to us. And in that distinction, has been really fascinating in my work because it it allows us to separate the disruption from the event, right? Oh, I've gotten divorced. Oh, there was a earthquake. Oh, you know, I lost a job. I got a new job. I got promoted, whatever it is. And we, we think that those events are disruptive. And what I've found is in fact, the events in and, of them, in and of themselves are not the disruption. It's how we respond. And we get to choose in that response. Do we want something like a change or do we want something like a transition? And I found that you know people that that lean towards this willingness to re-examine their assumptions, there's a tremendous opening that happens, right? It leads to a growth that oftentimes is missed, right? Because then you know oftentimes when we get into kind of periods of really big instability, um, we lean towards the familiar, right? So we lean towards change, and that's okay. And by the way, change itself can be really hard. It's not like taking the easy path by any chance. But what it is, is an interesting lens through which to look when we think about the choices that we're making and, and what it means to be um, kind of navigating through periods of instability, right? Because when we give ourselves this new lens, all of a sudden we can ask ourselves different questions. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Fujian, that's the power in this, right? I'm not... I'm not here advocating to say, oh, my book has all the answers. What I will tell you is it's research-based and it will help you ask new questions. And that's the power um, in, in really trying to navigate major periods of disruption successfully. It's really trying to think, you know, how can I, how can I bring some new thinking to this? Because by the way, you know, it can be really destabilizing, right? This is scary. Very much. Dancing with Disruptions, everyone, a new approach to navigating life's biggest changes by Linda Rossetti. Um, Linda, as you were talking, it also brought for me that then the you know pandemic, um, that was a huge world disruption. Like it wasn't just one location. It was a pan pandemic brought true disruption to every single angle and aspect of um, personal industries uh, work, business, uh, family settings, everything that you could ever imagine. And as you were sharing, it was like, well, on that one, I think I, my it was more of a change for me. But there was also, because my self of self remained. Um, but however, 
there was a change, there, there was a shift and a transition into like what you talked about of value systems that were changed, which a lot of the fear-based concepts of, you know, am I, um, do I only operate on this level? And then you see, no, the operation would change. You know, everybody got onto Zoom, a whole new industry got created. Um, and so there was, it was a change since my self-identity stayed, but there was also a transition because it brought up a whole new dynamic. But it was also a transition for many people who I work with, mm -hmm. which their way of approach to even working became different, where they're not even willing to work in corporate world anymore, or they're not willing to go back to the offices anymore. They're not even willing to earn that much anymore and it's like um people's values completely changed um mm -hmm. it, it uh, created a whole new way which i think it's a different level of disruption now for companies like companies now we have to really reevaluate because they can offer the same job and they're not finding people who are saying like of course you know i'll die for this job they're like, eh, no, you know, I got to have this, 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 or it's okay. I just won't work. I don't need to have, you know, at the house with a picket fence and this and that anymore. I can, you know, I can do it in a whole different way. I can live, you know, in a smaller cabin somewhere and enjoy who I am. So suddenly, you know, people face like you could just no longer exists and the whole world economy all of it can be in a you know, flip of a switch change and it was almost like every single thing that people thought it made them safe and secure was taken away um in a glimpse and so they had to reevaluate their sense of self self sense of security safety and coming back to normalcy a lot of these people, you could see they've transitioned away from what used to be completely. Yeah, it's so true. And it is fascinating because I think that um, we're going through this period, this post-pandemic, where some people are responding with transition, saying, you know, I've re I've recentered on my values. And you know what? It just doesn't make sense for me to work around the clock and, you know, go for the you know, the big house at the end of the lane and all that. It just doesn't, it doesn't fit my value system. And others responded with change to say, I'm going, I'm going to just make a variation and, you know, maybe I'll move jobs or I'll work remotely, but it's still the same job. And I remember I tell this story in my book that were, um, you may recall Macy's went into bankruptcy pretty soon after the pandemic started in the spring of 2020. And I remember there were two people in my research who had participated um, and who both were Macy's employees and both lost their jobs. And so I re-interviewed them uh, right after they had lost their job. And it was fascinating because this just kind of points to the fact that our response to disruption is highly individual, right? Because one of the gentlemen, right, he said, you know, look, um, I am, I'm at it here. I need to replace my job. I've been at Macy's for a dozen years, but you know, uh, it's all good. I'm I'm already out interviewing and I'll find something else. And and you might argue that he was making a change. He it, Macy's, you know, income W-2 was going to go and he was just going to replace it. All good. And the other gentleman was just shattered, right? He had been at Macy's for nearly 20 years. I think 18. I don't remember the exact year. I'm pretty sure it's 18 years. And he's like, you know, my sense of who I am and my identity is so intertwined with Macy's. 
I am kind of stalled without without that. And it and it wasn't just occupational, it was social, it was his well-being, it was his financial security. Like on every piece of his identity, he had anchored this, I this, this, this kind of fusion of being a Macy's person into who he was. And he was struggling because change, like making a change, was not going to address those things. And so this is kind of the beauty of trying to put some vocabulary around this notion of dancing with disruption. It it really offers a new way to approach something that, by the way, we all encounter, right? And, and that gentleman from Macy's is so important, and it speaks to something you were just saying, Fujian, which is when we think about who we are, like our identity, our sense of self, you know, on average, the research says that that composite is usually five to seven activated elements. It can be hundreds of elements, by the way, but usually it's it's a handful that really present like, you know, I'm a Macy's employee or I'm a, you know, I'm a, you know, worker or I'm a parent or I'm a community activist, whatever they are. And they differ for all of us. So when people go through a change or transition, any one of those pieces of our identity can proceed through it or all of it. And it just so happened that this gentleman who was in the research, um, you know, a big part of who he was was being kind of hustled. And, and that was incredibly difficult for him because he didn't have the vocabulary to really deal with it. And it, it led to months and months of, of, of se severe difficulty. And, and so, you know, I think it's an interesting example um, and one that as we think about the pandemic, we're, we're always kind of, oh, from a blanket perspective, it was an enormous, you know, disruption in our lives. And it was, I don't want to take that away. But in the book, I try to pull people to an even another understanding of disruption that, you know, when it involves our sense of self, like these two Macy's employees, you know, how we respond differs. And so for your next door neighbor who's going through a divorce, if you're going through a divorce, they might be like, yeah, hey, all good. You know, I'm going to go out and date. I'm fine. And somebody, you know, right next door could be just like, I don't even know how to think about life. Like my value system and what I believe is gone. And so I just want to, you know, I, I create this runway for people to recognize that our responses differ and that's okay. Um, but there's an offer to, opportunity um, to think about all of this in a new way that can give us some currency to move forward um, beyond just reacting to the emotions of it, which, as you know, um, can be severe. Talking about emotions, obviously, when a disruption happens, um, the first uh, expression of us is resistance, yep. uh, change, you know. I mean, there's a part of us that actually resists to even a change that we're looking forward to and we're wanting, you know, like people who have been looking to get married and they really go through all of that still even that change is still like, ah, you know, there are parts of it that you resist. So let alone a change that that's not something you were looking forward to or even knew it was coming. So there's a reaction that shows up first, you know, the, the, the resistance toward change. But then there's also a lot of emotions, the emotions of uncertainty, emotions of for example, maybe even being betrayed if you felt like you you have been your whole self-identity, who you were, purpose of life, all that you brought to yourself into one basket, which was one company. And then suddenly that company just like, ah, you're dispensable, bye-bye. 
And then suddenly you, you know, you feel betrayed. So there's so many emotions that might be coming, which um, navigating through the emotions are also part of this process of transition. Um, and you, you have a couple of chapters that you actually go into how to recognize, how to be with your emotion, how to re-narrate the, you know, the background of the emotion that is getting created. And um, can you share about, about um, what you bring to the table about emotion and resistance? Yes, and thank you for recognizing that. I, I, I love the re-narrate because that's really what I found in the research that once we decide to explore shifts in our sense of self, right? You know, we have a, a stable identity and we're, we're willing to kind of recognize that it, it's unstable for a period, right? Once we're willing to bring that awareness, our emotions mobilize to keep us safe, right? Our emotions read that as, oh my goodness, you know, danger, danger, danger. And, and, and our emotional system is just like our respiratory system or our endocrine system. It is wired to, you know, to, to keep us safe, right? And that's great. It does an excellent job. And, and so um, what I found in the research is that, you know, we are never going to shut down that system. That system operates beautifully. But what we can do is bring some, a new lens to it so that it, it, even though the emotions are active, they're not oppositional to the things that we want to do. And, and what I found is that the the very best techniques have to do with reframing our emotions. And as you mentioned, there are several chapters in the book that talk about some techniques that emerged from my research about how to reframe emotions. And it is really fascinating, right? You know, you can have people come in and say, well, I'm so full of anxiety and, and I'm, I'm sad and I'm lonely. And by the way, we usually pull inward, right? When we're at times of instability, we go inward, right? So these emotions can, you know, just take on, you know, lives of their own. And, and it's fascinating to watch the research and to give people the tools to say, okay, I don't want to bypass an emotion if I'm feeling anxious. Okay, let's think about anxiety and what it means. But the book walks people through how to take that anxiety and, and come at it from a different lens so that our relationship to that anxiety is no longer its power over us, but our ability to kind of be with it and learn from its presence. And I often describe it like, you know, it's like, um, I feel as if, you know, in my life, sadness is is an emotion that comes a lot, right? It's, it's a common emotion for me. And on days when I'm not paying attention to reframing, I feel like I'm like hanging onto the end of the rope and sadness is kind of whipping me around willy nilly, like it rules the day. And sometimes it's really active and sometimes it goes quiet, but then it can kind of, you know, jump back up, you know, at any second. And what reframing helps us do is we don't we don't pretend that sadness isn't here, but it allows us to drop that rope next to us. We can see it, but we're no longer kind of hanging on ready for it to like change direction on us willy nilly. Right. It's present but its power over us is really diffused and we can benefit from it and, um, you know, and learn from it, which is, uh, you know, something that we don't often talk about when we're trying to kind of feel the feelings, like be in with our emotions. But I found in my research and work in helping people navigate major disruptions in their lives that a key to their success 
is really adopting these reframing techniques to help emotions kind of um, diffuse their power over us. You have a chapter about how to influence yourself, actually, um, which is also about the influencing and how to work with your emotions and how do you, uh, as we talk, re-narrate it in a sense. When you share in your book, Transforming Yourself, you also talk, you have a um, certain stages and and the steps. So you talk about re-examining, you reframing, revitalizing or creating, and then disengaging and then integrating and then acting from an, an integrative uh, place, um, which all of uh, my listeners uh, or viewers who know also awareness integration process uh, are very familiar with these conversations. So I loved it as I saw it in your book. Can you share a bit about um, the process that you are presenting in your book and through your research about you know the steps that goes that kind of builds on each other for yeah. that? Yeah, sure. I found that you know in working so. I should step back just a teeny bit. Uh, so there were nearly 300 people who participated in the research. 80 of them agreed to work with me repeatedly through their transition process and respond to these exercises that I would give them, right? So I said, okay, give this one a go. Tell me how it goes. And so what came out of that is um, my ability to notice patterns on how people moved through these processes of transformation. And so there were four repetitive patterns that were um, interesting and have become the four steps, right? There's, there's a piece of the book that's called the incubator. And there are four steps that are included. And the first is, as we just touched upon, um, reframing emotions, right? Somehow we have to take emotions that can be oppositional, right? That want to arrest our progression and, and reframe them so that they are no longer oppositional. And we can continue to go forward in their presence. The second is we need to reset our expectations, right? Because so much of what can be op oppositional outside of emotions are these expectations that we hold for ourselves, right? And some of it might come from childhood or elsewhere in our lives that we might have outlived its useful life, but we actually have to really think about um, letting some of them go, revitalizing some, maybe adding new, but resetting expectations is the second of the four steps. And, and frankly, a really big part, right? Because if we forget to do that step, we can step into something new, right? Let's say I'm going to be an author, but if I'm still holding expectations from when I was an executive in corporate America, I may be evaluating my performance as an author against those prior expectations. And I might say, oh my goodness, I'm failing. What did I do? I must have made the biggest mistake on the planet, right? So this notion of resetting our expectations is the second of four. Um, the third is reimagining our identity, right? And that is a point where, you know, a lot of times come into people come into transformation and say, well, I don't know what to do. You know, Fujana, I don't know what to do. Like I was a, you know, a psychotherapist or I was, a, you know, a school teacher or I was a full-time parent. And, and I, I, I honor and recognize that I'm moving away from that, but I don't know what I'm moving to. And so this whole notion of reimagining identity is a series of techniques that help people fill in what is a blank slate often when we kind of navigate into this, this place where we're willing to re-examine our assumptions about who we are. And then the final part is um, reconstituting connections. 
because, you know, as you well know from your work, and, and I'm sure all of your listeners know, very often when we're going through periods of significant change in our lives, those who are closest to us, like our spouses, our dear friends, family members, they have a vested interest in us staying the same, right? So we really have to think about the connections that can support us. And that doesn't mean we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're not just like saying, okay, all of you have to go. We just need to recognize that we may need some new players kind of in our orbit. And those people are very important and they can be professionals like yourselves, like counselors. Um, they can be people in the basement of the church or the synagogue, right? That, you know, informal groups, there's lots of ways those kind of support structures can come alive. And I talk a lot about that in the book, um, but mostly we're looking for people who can't see our invisible walls. Right, because the people who are closest to us are really good at reinforcing those walls, and and frankly, when we're willing to invest so much in this beautiful process of recentering ourselves, um, we need a couple people around who can help validate and affirm what we're doing, and oftentimes that can't be the people who love us the most. Yeah, yes. Dancing with Disruption, A New Approach to Navigating Life's Biggest Changes by Linda Rossetti. Linda, um, as we're coming to a close, is there anything we haven't shared um, about your work, about your book, or something, a message that you've, you've gained through this research that you've done with 300 people that you want people to know? Well, Pujan, I, I want, I, I thank you for that question, because I want people to know that it is with enormous humility that this book comes forward, right? It is told in stories, and my story is also in every one of the 10 chapters, because when I began this process, I thought this was about work and my disconnection from work. And as I went through the process myself, I realized that while that needed to be updated, um, there was an awful lot about my relationships with others, particularly those closest to me, and my relationship with myself that needed to change. And so, um, you know, I think that we would be remiss if we didn't say, you know, this book isn't pontificating from someplace on high to tell you, here's the 10 things you need to do. It is inviting people into a conversation um, and one that allows us to establish a new intimacy with ourselves. Yes, and you brought a lot of your journey into it and you um, request for people to actually bring their journey into as they're working through the book. Right, because it is there are exercises, right? It really is, you know, it's kind of a workbook in some way, right? It really is a platform that allows somebody to have a new conversation with themselves. And then in turn, they can go share that and, and do those same exercises with people around them. So um, it's been a great journey. I'm so honored to have done the work. I continue to do it every day. And Fujian, I'm so happy that you gave me the opportunity to talk with you about it today. It was beautiful to have you. Everyone, um, find Linda at lindarossetti.com. And um, I'm assuming that your book is everywhere, right? Like Amazon and uh, Barnes and Nobles and everywhere that people can and find their books. Absolutely. It's available in print and audio and electronic versions pretty much everywhere online and, and at your local library as well. So, you know, don't hesitate. Thank you so much for taking um, the time to be with us. Pujan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself and everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye.
Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression with the Fujian app. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. Download the Fujian app today.